Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here, Digging Deeper Jazz Videos. And uh, today I want to talk about the 251 progression. Now, uh, of course, this is going to be for all instruments. This is going to apply to anybody that's comping, any uh, single line instrument, vocalists, etc., etc. Now, um, I've done, you know, almost 50 of these videos now and haven't done one specifically on the 251. And I thought it would be a great idea using sort of the approach that I like to use that so many of you are appreciating. Thank you for that. Um, to sort of dig into this 251 progression. Um, part of it is I think there will be some very valuable information here for a lot, a lot of folks. But the next video I do, number 49, is going to be on minor two fives. And I know for a fact that a whole lot of people don't know quite what's up or how to approach minor two fives. We're going to do our approach on major two fives today and expand it next time. So um, we have to play these things all the time, right? This is, I call it like jazz DNA. Everything is built out of these two five one progressions. And I know there's a lot of people that kind of understand it, but aren't really playing it. I've run into people that can play it, but don't really understand why it works the way it works and certainly wouldn't be able to explain it to somebody else or to teach it to somebody else. So I like the idea of us knowing something so well, we could actually do a decent job of teaching it to somebody, whether or not we're a teacher. And, the, you know, and at the end of the day, I want us all to be able to play this material. So that's, uh, that's where we're going to jump in here. So let me put this sheet up on the screen for you and uh, sort of break down why 251 progressions at all. Why, why are they the chord qualities they are? Everything else like that. So on this sheet, you can see item number one is just simply the C major scale. So we're going to do a 251 in C major today. We're going to talk about why it works, but then we're going to get into playing it. Always, always getting into playing. Okay, so we start off with this major scale. Let me play it for you. So the idea is, if we're going to do a progression in a given key, we have to decide not only what key are we in C or are we in C sharp, but what is the tonality? Now, this may sound kind of silly. Which major tonality are we in? There's actually more than just the major scale. There's other major tonalities. We need to decide. Now, this is always presumed, right? And it's these presumptions that get us into trouble. So let's go back to the beginning and talk about it. There are many scales or tonalities that we would call major. The augmented scale, this crazy scale. It's a major scale. It's got a major third and a major seventh. The Lydian scale. There are quite a few of them. So we're going to use the Ionian scale, also called the major scale, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that is going to be our basic tonality. Sounds pretty simple. When we get into minor, it's not quite that simple. So that's why we're doing it this way today. So now, looking back at the sheet, what I did in item number two is built diatonic seventh chords on each one of the scale degrees. So in other words, I piled up notes, piled up thirds, one, three, five, seven, on every root of the major scale. In other words, I want to see what chords exist in nature in the major scale. So what I mean is no one's saying they have to be anything. King Louis didn't decree that the minor chord should be two and the five chord should be dominant. It's science. It comes out of our decision to use the major scale as our point of departure. So not that we necessarily have to play these. I, I love playing diatonic sevens, but I'll just play item number two for you. 
So those are the chords that come out of a major scale. Turns out the first chord, now this is item number three on the sheet. The first chord is major seven. So we would say a one chord in a major key turns out it's major seventh. No one said it should be major seventh. It is major seventh. The scale works that way, right? The scale, C, E, G, B, those are the notes we get. And now, after the fact, we analyze them and go, oh, it's a major 7 chord. So we look at number 2, built on the root of D here. It turns out a 2 chord, in the key of C major, is minor. It is a D minor chord. No one said it should be. It is. D, F, A, C. When you analyze it, we determine there's a minor 3rd and a flat 7 and a natural 5th in there. So 2 chords are minor. We would have to do something unnatural to them to have them not be minor. So we go up to the three chord. It is minor. This is news to some of us out there, and this is sort of old hat to some of us out there. That's okay. The four chord is major seven. The five chord, lo and behold, is a dominant seven chord. Now, five chords are very important. They turn out to be dominant seventh chords. The six chord is A minor. The quality is always minor. The chord built on the sixth of any major scale is always minor. The seventh is now half diminished. That's just what it turns out to be. And of course, when we get to the octave, it's C major seven again. Okay, so that's where those chord qualities come from. It's, they weren't mysteriously, uh, you know, somebody said they should be that way, right? So, um, now, this idea of a 2-5-1. So now, over time, we could get into philosophical discussions of where that exact chord progression came from, the subdominant to dominant to tonic function. Sure, if you want to get a music theory degree, you can. You don't need to, though. I've got those degrees, and you, know, you don't need to have studied that stuff to be playing good jazz. You don't have to. So, uh, the 2 chord is minor. The 5 chord is dominant. The one chord is major. So that's what we see on the sheet, item number four. So the two, five, one progression. So, um, you know, I'm a self-proclaimed smart guy. And there was a chunk of time when I had heard about two, five, ones, but I didn't quite know why is the two chord dominant sometime and why is it minor most of the time? Why are dominant chords always dominant? Why are five chords always dominant? Why can't they be major seven? That kind of thing, right? So now we have a better sense. Those chords come from inside the scale that we chose. And again, this information maybe isn't earth-shattering to some of us, but this understanding, we're going to use this exact same approach next video in minor, and I think a lot of us are going to be uh, get woken up a little bit with that. So now the question would be, what do we do with this stuff? So as far as I'm concerned, you've maybe seen my uh, scales suck videos where I'm saying I'm not such a fan of, you know, we could play the Dorian scale on the two chord. We could play the Mixolydian scale on the five chord. We could play the Ionian scale on the one chord, a scale approach. <laughs> And so that's what I did right there. And sure, when I start on the roots, maybe we can hear a 2-5-1 progression. 
but this these would be all correct notes if I do this. That was very good playing over a 251. That would have sounded great if I had a band playing behind me. But could you hear the chords in what I was doing? Absolutely not. Was there any harmonic content? No. There was maybe, that could have been an interesting melody, let's say, if I had a ton of help from the harmonic people behind me. So what I ask for all my friends who are singing or playing melodic instruments, and that includes piano and guitar, is to play lines that imply the harmony. In other words, when you're a piano, you don't get to comp with your left hand. You play this right hand alone, or you play octaves, left and right hand. So, let me now not use scales, I'm gonna use the arpeggios. In other words, I'm only allowing myself one, three, five, and seven on each chord. So when I'm gonna play the D minor chord, I'm only allowing myself D, F, A, C. <laughs> Those four notes. Now when I go to the five chord, I'm only allowing myself one, three, five, seven. In this instance, the G, the B, the D, and the F. And displacing octaves and whatever else. I can repeat the notes, right? When I get to the one chord, C, E, G, or B. So I'm only allowing myself the chord. All right, so now the exercise. Here's the part that I want you to do. So that was all sort of getting caught up with this approach to understanding why the chords are the quality they are. Okay, so now what I want you to do is play this in time. I'm going to play the two chord, then the five chord, then the one chord, play the one chord again. I'm going to make a four measure phrase. Two chord, five chord, one chord, one chord. Now, is this going to be the most smoking jazz and bebop you've ever heard? Not exactly, because um, I'm only allowing myself the four chord tones. No passing tones, no chromatics, no altered this or that. That said, uh, so is it going to be a Grammy-winning solo? Probably not. Is it going to be the world's most correct solo ever played? Yes, <laughs> quite possibly. You should be able to hear these chords in what I'm playing. Let me give this a try. So one, two, Anybody gonna yell at me about that last note? <laughs> the very last note, I ended on the ninth scale degree of the major chord. But I nailed every other one. I didn't make any mental slips, I don't think. And that's hard to do. This uh, is challenging for folks who are just getting into two fives, this idea about really limiting yourself. And that's a big part of my teaching. In whatever I'm teaching, I love limitations. Putting limitations on ourselves and making ourselves be creative 
within those limitations, okay? So that's what was going on there, tons of limitations. And now I'll say for an advanced player, like me, I'll call myself advanced, I guess, um, I've done this with grad students a lot, and man, this is harder for them than the beginning cats because they have so much fancy vocabulary, they want to play it, right? It's hard to not play the muscle memory stuff and the fast licks and all the stuff I have under my fingers. I'm forced to deal with very simple uh, components and actually make some music out of it. So I'm a firm believer that this kind of practice is very, very helpful for advanced players. I've heard stories of friends listening to Michael Brecker practice back in the day, and he would practice like this always, learning every song. I've heard those stories firsthand from people. So uh, yes, this can work for you too. And by the way, um, Jazzwire. I've been talking to you guys about Jazzwire a little bit, launching November 1st, 2018. Um, my point here is that a lot of folks uh, from these videos will, will send me questions wanting me to expand on something that I mentioned. Um, or that I went a little quickly and what did you mean when you said such and such? Or, hey, I think you forgot to mention such and such. Uh, all sorts of great stuff. Now, with Jazzwire, that's where we get to blow these concepts up. A 10-minute video on 251s, clearly there's more to it than that, right? So at Jazzwire, that website that I love you guys to uh, be a part of, that's where we get to dig in really deeply. It's going to be really very personalized kind of stuff. So anyway, I hope you'll consider that. Now, as I was saying, the next video... Uh, number 49, it's going to be Digging Deeper number 49. We're going to go through this process with minor 251s. And I've run across, again, really good playing university students, grad students, professional musicians who have this weird rubber banded together sort of knowledge of what a minor 25 is. And it's, it's, they have a hard time explaining what they're doing. And not, we don't, not that we have to explain everything always. But if you want some clarity of thought, try explaining it, and you'll see how well you know something. So I'm really excited to dig into the minor 251 version. We're going to be talking about the song Autumn Leaves as well, applying what we did this week, adding what we do next, next week, and then we have so many jazz songs. Autumn Leaves, for instance, is a great one. So I hope this was interesting, and I challenge you to try this stuff. Some of you may think, yeah, blah, blah, whatever, I know, I know this, I know this. Um, give it a try and let me know how it goes. Can you do this? Can you do it in the other 11 keys? Can you do it at tempo? Can you do it with a great even sound? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. So thank you for tuning in to Digging Deeper Jazz and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Uh, always feel free to uh, send me an email, by the way, for the PDF. Uh, write me at diggingdeeperjazz at gmail.com. I'd love to send you this PDF or any of the uh, previous ones. Take care, you guys. Practice hard. See you next time.